Merry Christmas! It's 314 days to Election Day. We share some of our friends' holiday memories and talk about business planning for 2020. All this and more on The Leftscape! Hi, I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you're listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hi, I'm Robin Renee. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. Welcome, welcome to uh, today's, like, Christmas, isn't it? The 25th? Yes, and Merry Christmas. Happy yeah. Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> yeah, let you know on a secret that Merry it's, not, Christmas, not Christmas. <laughs> it's not Christmas when we're recording. <laughs> But um, it's Christmas in our hearts. And so the 25th is Christmas, yes. And the 26th is Thank You Note Day. That's a good thing that they put that on the calendar, Thank You Note Day. So I'm going to send all my thank you notes then. It's also Boxing Day in Canada and the UK. And I still want to know why it's called Boxing Day. Is it people they, are pugilistic? No, they bring boxes of gifts around. Oh, Okay. I mean, if you read any of those historical romances, such as the ones my mother used to write when she was alive, uh, the people with money would like the the landlords or the lords of the manor or whoever would go out. Do their noblesse their, oblige. Their, they'd go out amongst their tenants with packages of food and other things to give yeah. to them. I always understood that that's what happened on that day, but I just didn't know where it got the word boxing. But I guess it, things are in a box. It's just using the word <laughs> box as a verb. Okay, it's also Winer's Day with a W-H. Winer, not drinking, but but the, the verb, whining. Uh, Winer's Day. It's not to whine about what you didn't get, but to whine about being too tired, overeating, having to do go back to work, uh, long lines at the return aisle. <laughs> And too much to clean up. I'm going okay. to avoid people celebrating Winer's Day. <laughs> well, I think I just did whine about the word boxing. <laughs> okay, on the 28th is National Short Film Day. That sounds like a good one. And National Card Playing Day, which also sounds like a good thing to do because we forget. The 29th is TikTok Day, and I don't know what that means. I don't remember now. Uh, you, put, you wrote it I, on the list. <laughs> yeah, I know I did. Um, it's probably, I'm going to say it is not about the new video app that uh, my daughter and people younger than her are all into. Uh, oh, which, it's called TikTok? I, yeah, there's a video app called TikTok. TikTok which, today uh, is observed annually on December 29th. This day reminds us only two days are remaining in the year. Do you have any unfinished business that needs to be done in this calendar year? Ah. Is there something big you want to accomplish yet this year? Now is the time to finish it up. The clock is ticking. TikTok. Oh, TikTok. I, it's thought kinda, I, I, I think it's remin it's it's sort of uh, reminding us about Watchmen. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> but, okay. 
And the 30th of this month of December is National Bicarbonate of Soda Day, which I know you contend should be tomorrow. I contend it should be January 1st. But January that, 1st. Yeah. But I guess this is uh, make sure you have it in the house for January 1st. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And it's also Bacon Day. Ah, that sounds good. Uh, yeah. Cook with the bacon so that you can eat it while you're watching the Mummer's Day Parade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no the bicarbonate of soda day is the 30th not the 31st yes so it's yes. Two, two days before right so <laughs> well the 31st you get you're busy so <laughs> yeah i get okay on the 31st is new year's eve it's also no interruptions day i wonder what they mean by that i don't you know. don't have any interruptions okay i won't <laughs> interrupt myself um make up your mind day and universal hour of peace. That sounds good. I think that's like at midnight, right? At midnight. So we can all do it at the same time. Except well, it would we're be in rolling, different time. A rolling road. hour of peace. Yeah. So. Different time zones. Okay. Well, today is the birthday of Justin Trudeau. Oh, Annie, good. Yes. Annie Lennox. We're all happy about this day. <laughs> Annie Lennox of uh, the Eurythmics, Shane McGowan, who was uh, formerly of the Pogues, and Sissy Spacek. On the 26th is the birthday of Carol Spinney, who we just who just passed away. He was the puppeteer who was Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. Oh, okay. So, and I've heard really great things. People who met him or had any interaction with him said he was a really wonderful, awesome guy. So. <laughs> And and also he created he worked with characters which definitely are in my heart so that's really cool, and it's also the birthday of Lars Ulrich of who was a drummer of Metallica. Then the twenty seventh is the birthday of Haley Williams of uh, the rock band Paramore. The twenty eighth is the birthday of Denzel Washington and Stan Lee. The thirtieth we've got uh, it is the athlete's birthday day. It's LeBron James and Tiger Woods. And I have a quick story about LeBron James, actually. Yeah. I was, I happened to be downtown in Cleveland on the day that he announced that he was coming back to the Cavaliers. And it was crazy town. It was like really? all of a sudden I saw all these, all these horns honking and people like, there was like a new, I was in some store and there was a newscaster, like literally like weeping on the, on the air and wow. everyone put out signs like, welcome back LeBron. And it was oh like my God. really oh insane moment. And the next day, like go walking through a fair or whatever, there were was, was signs <laughs> out about him and stuff. And it was, and they take it seriously. Wow. Yeah. It was very strange. Um, and anyway, on New Year's Eve, it is the birthday of Psy. So uh, we can play uh, Gungam style on your New Year's Eve party. And I haven't listened to that song since it was like all over the internet. It, it was, yeah, yeah I, I don't think I have either, but you know, yeah. you can give it a throwback or something. <laughs> so those are the birthdays of the week. So up next is all the news we can handle. Open Gangnam Style. Well, let's start with some of the, you know, there's the people of the year and stuff of the year things that mm. happen um, right about now. So we've got uh, Megan Rapinoe as athlete of the year. And I think that is an awesome choice. She's yes. The soccer. Yeah. With the captain there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 She's really yeah. cool. She deserves that. Yeah. As the athlete of the year. 
I absolutely agree. And um, Greta Thunberg as Time's Person of the Year. And I think that's also. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you heard the, I saw a little blurb go by that, that our president said that he was he declined the honor of being person of the year this year uh, and and time goes yeah. uh we didn't ask you yeah <laughs> i didn't know that he actually said that really <laughs> well, I, now i i can't remember whether it's i can't figure it out whether it was truth or not because it was the president saying it so you never know what's going but him saying that in previous previous year he was person of the year was he ever person? He was. Yeah, I, I remember the the paint the the photograph was kind of very dark, and he's looking over his shoulder in a leather chair. Oh yeah, and it was really yeah. ominous looking. Yeah, yeah, and the and the thing too that he doesn't realize as he's going on about this is it's not them saying he was the best person of the year. It was saying that he had a lot of effect on what happened to the year and it was not necessarily good, <laughs> you know, but he just goes on, goes on, you know, he's, they're saying that I'm the best person this year. And now he's annoyed that she's gotten the best person this year. And, and it's not that she's the best, although she is very good. <laughs> it's just that she's affecting something. She's doing something. And in the New Yorker, the Borowitz report says Trump named Person of the Year by Popular Sociopath magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to look at the source. <laughs> I think that's a. Uh, I think I, that's great. <laughs> anyway. I need to get a subscription to Popular Sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> that would be oh interesting. <laughs> and um, the word of the year this year, uh, according to Merriam-Webster, is they. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I found really interesting. It says the singular they is a pronoun used to refer to a person whose gender identity is non-binary, a word that itself was added to Merriam-Webster.com dictionary in September of this year. The gender neutral pronoun is used in place of he or she. And then, and in September of this year, Grammy Award winning, winning, winner, winning (laughs) singer songwriter, Sam Smith announced their decision to use gender, gender neutral pronouns. Smith is far from alone. Around the same time, Merriam-Webster added gender-neutral pronoun they and themselves to the dictionary. You know, it's it's interesting too, though. It's gender-neutral, but it's it's well. The thing that confuses a lot of people, though, is that it's also singular or uh, you know plural. plural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it has always been singular. No, listen. I'm going to give you an example. Okay. I'm going to give you an example. Mm-hmm. The student left their book on the table, please return it to them. Mm-hmm. That's the singular they. And yeah. I, I know there's been people bitching about, I can't, I can't wrap my brain around using they, it feels weird. And it's like that, what I, the two sentences I just said are something that you could have heard at any time in your life. And I'm like over 60 years old. And so it is, has always been used as a singular when the gender of the person being referenced has, is unknown. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's, yeah. it's it's about, I think that's the difference that it's, the shift has been that it is now being used for people who you do who know. You have, and a, they you have, have an identity, you have a, you know who they are. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and I feel, I, I have interesting mixed feelings about this. I feel wonderful that a gender neutral pronoun is 
the word of the year. I think it's it's a huge, it's a symbol of progress culturally, that there's mm-hmm. really been a shift and that's now really understood and used. And I think that's great. And for me personally, it's kind of odd because although I identify as non-binary, I, I'm not, I don't really prefer being called they, them pronouns. Yeah, but you weren't you happy with she and her either. So what do you, you like? You wanted a different one. Well, I like I like Z here personally, but I'm I'm okay with she, her. Okay. Like I would if given the choice, I I think I prefer she her. But 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 now I'm getting called they them because that is the default now, and it's and it's gonna be fine because that language changes and that's what people now use, you know. So. Even though I'm sort of less happy about it for myself personally, I'm very happy about it culturally. And I, I, I people who I know use it. Well, me per it's easier for me to get to they than it is for me to remember which of the the constructed non-binary pronouns like Z and her. Like he, I don't even know how to pronounce H I R, so it doesn't sound like her. Mm-hmm. you know i mean is it is it more of a here here yeah i say yeah and, and that that sounds like a different word so it, it, at least with they i it's easier for my brain to use they than it is to use to use the other ones the other words that were being used recently and mm-hmm. but i will try i mean typing it i can do mm-hmm. <laughs> when i'm writing i can write her here yeah, but, yeah. Um, speaking it's harder for me yeah. Well, and, I think it's a, it's a learning curve for everybody. And, you know, I just try to go with what the pronoun that people ask and prefer. Yeah. And, you know, and most most non-binary folks are using they, them these days. Mm. And I think it's, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a shift. It's pretty interesting. I, I like it. I, you I know, just last week I was listening to uh, NPR, a little feature on NPR that, where they were talking with people who speak Spanish. And that there's a movement in South America of because when you have Spanish, everything has a gender. Yeah, like all the all the nouns, and and that becomes a lot of trouble for them to to try to move into this. Uh, but there is an active movement trying to move Spanish into this. Instead of saying amiga or amigo, they're saying amigue or amigue mm. with an e instead of an o or mm. an a. I'm just wondering how prevalent that is yet. That's interesting. I don't think the French will ever do that. And it's always been weird to me that, for example, cat is a male pronoun, except what about when you're talking about a female cat? Yeah. That always well, well, then, you, then, you do, then you do use the female pronoun. But okay. if you're talking about a pair of cats, um, one's male and one's female, you say male. Well, the the and plural pronoun is genderless in French. Ah, yeah. In Spanish, oh. that's what they say. Okay. They, oh, <laughs> that they were they were complaining. There were some feminists complaining about when you have a group of people, you and you have to say uh, the in Spanish would be would be L or la. It, would, it would go. It would default to L, right? Yeah. Oh, if there, oh. if it was a hundred people. And ninety nine of them were women, and one was a man. It would default to the masculine. <laughs> okay. Well, we could all do like the Russians and just get rid of pronouns completely. Oh, <laughs> right. Or, or actually, in definite articles, they don't have the word "the" in in their language. Hmm. So, 
And that's how I can tell when someone's um, when I'm editing like documentation and the and the person is a native Russian speaker. I can tell that because they're the word the does not appear at all oh. in their writing. So <laughs> so who what's happening with Moscow Mitch? Oh gosh. He well, <laughs> I think he needs to recuse himself from the impeachment trial when it gets to the Senate Senate. Um, because he's already because the Senate is supposed to be the jury, right? In the trial. And right. a juror is supposed to be impartial and just look at the facts. And I even think it's kind of delineated and do you remember in the, in what the Constitution that that they're supposed to be impartial? And McConnell has already come out saying he's going to support the president no matter what. And if you had been called to a jury, you know, in your local municipality, and the lawyers are you know asking you questions to decide whether to impanel you or not, and then you you say, well, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna side with the defendant no matter what gets said. You're not gonna get yeah, you would not jury. be in the jury, and the judge might actually hold you in contempt. So you know the man needs. Well, to he would just get dismissed. Himself. I think if you well, if they were choosing a jury. Well, I think if you actually said that with that attitude, and mm. the judge got pissed off, he would hold you in contempt. That could be. Um, but he's uh, he's already said that. He's not going to be impartial, so he needs to not be on the panel. <laughs> okay, you know? so you're talking about a panel as opposed to the whole Senate voting. Well, the Senate, everyone, all right, it says here in this article that uh, I found that the jury panels that have led impeachment inquiry pointed to Article 1, Section 3 of the Constitution, which states, the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments when sitting for that purpose. They shall be on oath or affirmation. And the oath is defined by Senate rules and would read, quote, I solemnly swear or affirm as the case may be that in all things appearing to the trial of the impeachment of the president, now pending, I will do impartial justice according to the Constitution and laws, so help me God. Okay. So McConnell has already defied that oath. Okay. So um, how can we trust that he's going to be impartial? Yeah, but this is going to be all of the senators, right? Or is it just a panel? All of the senators who, I don't know if they all sit on this. Um be, I, because I, I warned you that I was going to be devil's advocate about this. And and I totally agree with you, except that then this morning, just before we started recording, uh, I saw Chuck Schumer on TV saying that he was going to be against the president. So he was saying he was doing the same thing, saying that he'd already made up his mind he was against the president. And as a matter of fact, it's the Democrats who have brought this up, the the whole charges in the first place. So don't the don't you think the Democrats have made up their mind beforehand too? I uh, I don't know. And does Chuck Schumer sure, have to if that's if that's himself? He should if he's already made up his mind before, you know, hearing the facts. Although the facts have been pretty public or a lot of the facts have been pretty public and also you know the president has already kind of admitted to everything yeah yeah i mean i think that if he made a statement as strong as mitch mcconnell yeah, then that's not, yeah then that's not right you know i think that goes both ways for sure but mm -hmm. i think 
Yeah, I mean, do, do do most people have an idea of what they believe? I mean, sure, I think they do. I mean, I think that mm -hmm. happens a lot of the time because we've, especially if you've heard so much of the case already, you know. But I think what Wendy's saying is that the you really are so, still supposed to go into it knowing that if, you know, there's a possibility you're going to hear other things. Trying to yeah. keep an open mind. And that you need to be, yeah, treat it like a trial and listen carefully to everything that's said. And I think if you already say before it even starts that I'm not even listening to you, la, 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 then. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. That's the difference, yeah. you know. So, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't hear what Schumer said, but that's not cool either, if that's no. the case. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm thinking ahead, though, not not specifically about about McConnell, but if because there's also been a lot of stuff on the news this just this morning about Republicans or Democrats. Oh, and about Robin, your your congressman mm -hmm. uh, saying that he's voting uh, against the impeachment. Are, are, is the Congress also voting on this or just the Senate? The well, the Congress, Congress has to vote on the articles, so they they House Congress is yes out. the House right. Uh, okay, that that was my other question, and and then um, and that should actually be happening on the like that will have happened when you hear this. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you will then, be impeached most likely in the House after that vote by by that vote. So be, he'll be impeached by the House, but and that includes both the Senate and the. No, 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 no. So the House the happens in the House, and then they go to the Senate for the trial. Right. Oh. He's a, he, once the House votes on it, he's impeached. Oh. Now, whether he's removed from office or not depends on the, the trial Senate. of the Senate. Oh, okay, okay, I got it, I got it. Because then I was just trying to think of if he doesn't get removed from office, then what is going to happen? Then he's going to run for re-election. Yeah, and he's. <laughs> He's going to make a lot out of this that he didn't get arrested. He didn't get impeached. Yeah. But what are, are the Democrats going to be able to um, make a good good argument of, look, this guy was up for impeachment. He's no good. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that's one of the strategies. And I think it's it, it's better to have gone through this than to say that all of this behavior is is okay now you know yeah i think that's a bigger part of this all of this right now but, but it's true i worry about the outcome too but um yeah. i think it's i think it's it's been the right path i believe so anyway. well yeah i mean it's it's otherwise you know the laws are meaningless if if this doesn't have i mean this is why this had to happen we we pay lip service to being a nation of laws and when the laws are broken, I mean, nobody is above the law. And if that's not the case, then we're not a nation of laws. And yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But I'm just also scared that if he doesn't get removed from office, then he's going to think he does. He can do whatever he wants. He already thinks that, which is why he's reacting the way he is anyway. So in 2016, journalist Kurt Eichenwald uh, was attacked on Twitter with a piece of uh, a graphic that uh, was flashing and caused him to have an epileptic seizure. Um, and it's well known that he was epileptic. He went and talked about it, I think, in an article early before that. And he 
posted later after after you know he was done with all of with his seizure and everything. So he, he did have a seizure. Yes, he did. He had yeah. a seizure, and and it was a, a right wing. He you know he's a left wing journalist, and and somebody on the right wing attacked him with this seizure inducing graphic, and he got law enforcement involved. And his attacker is uh, today is the the sixteenth of December. Uh, which is a Monday, and there's a little news item in the Dallas News that's saying his attacker is expected to plead guilty today to the assault charge. And I think that's um, it's important for a few few reasons. That this is like the first time I think that, and I'm not sure they. I think it originally there was like a hate crime involved in this because Eichenwald is Jewish. I it's important because this is like the first time an assault via the internet has been treated as a uh, aggravated assault. As a like crime. A physical aggravated assault as a crime. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also a civil suit that the victim is, is uh, pursuing. I just think it's, it's interesting that it's taken three years for it to get through the courts to this point also. And I was reminded about this um, by a, a Facebook memory that was talking about this case. And I, I was just curious to go, oh, what happened with this? And I looked it up and it's like, wow, today is uh, the day for the guy. So I, I find I find it interesting that the law enforcement can find who people are. So it's not as anonymous as you might think on social media. And, and that somebody is at least making, is getting to be brought to justice for doing something bad online. Yeah, and that is a really scary kind of crime. That yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm glad that my mind doesn't work that way, but it's you know, I mean, people's minds do work that way, and will <laughs> and some people will come up with something like that to to really cause harm in a way that's really scary. Yeah, how was this sent to him? Was it like Twitter or what? Yeah, they just sent him the graphic. Uh, and. And, and so, has Twitter done anything about this since then? I don't know. I don't know that you can. Um, I mean, the graphic that shows up in the court documents, they have a still from it. And it's like a, a pattern that I guess was flashing at a certain rate, which would cause a, a seizure in epileptics. And um, there's words on it that say, I hope you get a seizure. Oh, boy. It's like can't be more <laughs> obvious than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he also the 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 uh, the attacker also was online exhorting his friends to send him more of the same image and that that's proven uh in the court documents there there's a whole list of and there's like screen captures of tweets and all this stuff did anybody else do it i don't know oh. uh this is the one guy who's who's getting prosecuted for it uh i don't know if the other people did or are so and instigator yeah it's you find it, it's sad that when someone finds out a particular vulnerability that they're going to exploit it in a in a malicious way like that. It's it's really I I you know I don't have any sympathy for the attacker and I hope he gets I hope he gets the book thrown at him and I hope you know the guy wins a, a nice fat lawsuit. <sighs> so this is almost all the news I can handle. <laughs> yeah, you know though I got an email from uh, the governor of New Jersey saying that. Uh, He's taking away, He's he was complaining about Van Drew. So you go ahead and talk about Van Drew. I just thought it was interesting that I got a governor, uh, an, an email from the governor directly to me telling me how he's annoyed with Van Drew. 
okay. Van Drew. This is Jeff Andrew, who is the uh, he's the Congress person for the second district in New Jersey. Oh, okay. And he he a while back said that he was going to vote against impeachment and and did vote against the inquiry. And yeah, so he's slated to vote against. And he's a Democrat. And he's a I'm I'm telling the story. Oh, okay. And he's a Democrat. <laughs> um, however, not. For long, it seems he has decided he's going to switch to Republican. I don't know if he's going to do that before or after his vote. So we'll see about that. And the most recent news that came out today, I believe, is that six staffers resigned over the weekend. Wow. Yes. Anti-impeachment Democrat Jeff Van Drew plans to join the GOP. So, yeah, a lot of people said, like, these are not the values that we hope to be working for when we when we signed up for this. And so we're out. So. So was he, was he just, is he, how long has he been a congressman? He was elected in uh, 2018 and. But he's been in that for longer, hasn't he? Was that the first time he was elected? uh, For our, for this district. Yeah. Cause um, Lobiondo was the congressperson before him. And, you know, and so this is, it's frustrating, you know, because I mean, in some cases, you know, and definitely in 2018, we wanted to win as many blue seats as possible. And, you know, I guess people got into the vote blue no matter who kind of thing. And there were a couple of more progressive candidates on the ballot, neither of which seemed like they could win, but seemed better to me than this guy, you know. Mm. But so now it's like, well. <laughs> well now you got to flip his seat. When is he up for reelection? Is it 2020? Two years. Well, uh, what I thought was interesting was getting this email from the governor of New Jersey. And I wondered, what was this about? And very rarely do I read these emails because he kind of spams me. But um, it was about how the Democratic Party in New Jersey was withdrawing its support from Van Drew. And they weren't going to give him any money to run... For so I guess he is running again. Yeah, two-year terms. Congress yeah. two-year. The House of Representatives congressmen are they serve two-year terms. Senators ter- serve six-year terms. Right. So I, I was thought not, this, I was confusing was, which is which, but yeah. So yeah, I just thought this was strange that the governor is telling me I'm taking funding away from this guy when I didn't know why, and now it all makes sense because he had not Van Drew had not announced that he was switching parties at that time so now now that he has announced it um it makes more sense what the governor was saying well now you guys have to get your your second district action together new jersey people yeah on the job yeah Mm. definitely because you gotta we gotta flip that seat now (laughs) yeah yep (laughs) oh boy busy year next year (laughs) yeah exactly and the last thing I wanted to talk about and just sort of wonder about is the effect, what will be the effect of Trump making this declaration that being Jewish is a nationality, uh, which on the face of it just makes me crazy that he... On the face of it, it's like one step away from the yellow star on your clothes. Mm. So have been here before. So the... By saying it's a nationality, one of the things I've heard is that by saying it's a nationality, you can then sort of cast more suspicion because you could claim that there's like a dual loyalty 
or possibly not loyalty to the U.S. or something like that. That was yeah. one of the concerns. Well, they that's they say that anyway. Yeah, regardless. hasn't that been something they've been saying for a while also? And they also said it about Catholics, and they said it about Kennedy, and that was one of the hurdles he had to jump right. in order to get elected president. Right. Because he was Catholic, and there's, oh, you have loyalty to the Pope, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, and then this being is, Jewish is not a nationality. It it's an ethnicity about, if it's anything. Yeah, right. I agree. I, I, that, I think I think for me the scary thing is that making a formal de declaration about this. Like I don't see how that can you can rightfully make any com any statement no, about it. It's like if can. he wanted if someone just wanted to say, okay, Wicca is not a religion. Like I'm making a an executive order that Wicca is not a that's just yeah. not it's just not true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's weird, and it's and it's not the same. I, I realize, but I'm just saying, I just find that really freaky. But the other thing that I was hearing about it is that it makes it easier to suppress dissent that is critical of Israel, because that's been a you know, especially on college campuses. There's that there are movements that talk about like Israel's mm -hmm. problematic behaviors or whatever. And so if you make Judaism a nationality, then someone who's coming out against, you know, something about Israel, you can make it sort of seem like it's racism, which is why they're being critical. And then you they, you can shut that down. So that's another yeah. thing I heard about it. So it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird it's, he's trying. And, and I'm wondering if there's something else going on that, that we you know, that's kind of low key and not getting all of the press. That's what I wonder too. Like um, what, what prompted this? Oh, probably the impeachment, you know, it's, he's, he's doing whatever he can to distract against, you know, cause we're, we have to spend energy on this mm. instead of spending energy on something that would be more effective in getting his ass out of the white house. Mm. You know, all this does for me is make it even more urgent to remove this tick from the 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 veins of our country <laughs> that's graphic <laughs> no, you got i got a on tick bite last friday so <laughs> it's on my mind yeah okay yeah, that's all the news i can handle yeah yeah Hey everyone, this is Reed Mahalko of readaboutsex.com and you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Sex is awesome and we talk about why in our December exclusive Patreon segment, knowing and being at ease with your sexual self. Join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash leftscape for as little as $1 per month. That's patreon.com slash leftscape. We hope to see you there. Well, happy holidays, everybody. We uh, reached out to our friends and folks on social media, people who follow us, to ask for some holiday stories. I said, uh, I think I put out there good, bad, ugly, otherwise, whatever you got. <laughs> Funny. And uh, I got a few little anecdotes we wanted to share. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm here in my my room. We're we're having a like a separate recording session from what we usually do. And if you hear any purring noises, it's my cat Groot who jumped on my lap just as Robin was talking. So <laughs> nice. So I have a little story from uh, Melanie Sinclair, and she says. When I was a little girl living on Charleston Air Force Base, our next door neighbors were a very nice older couple. They met in Korea. He was known by his initials OB and she was Kim. One Christmas, Kim's daughter and her two young boys came over from Korea to visit and I went next door to play with the boys. There was a language barrier, but we didn't really notice or care. And the boys took me into the spare room and showed me all their toys, which we opened up and started playing with. Here comes Kim with her daughter they get upset, drag us out of the room, and I get sent home. I have no idea why we're in trouble. Later, my dad asked me if I knew we were playing with their unwrapped toys. I was such a <laughs> gullible kid. <laughs> so, so they got to Christmas a little early. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, it was cute. Um, I have one from one of my friends, Mara Invermee, and it's about Santa. I knew Santa didn't come to our house because our chimney was just a CO2 outlet for the furnace and no human could get through it. Still believed in the fat man, though. My mother invented the magic key to explain it when I asked how he got in when our chimney was blocked by an ugly gas fire. Santa used the magic key to open the door when he couldn't get down the chimney. <laughs> I like that one. I do, too. Yeah, I, I wondered about the logic of the Easter Bunny, and I sort of figured it out by logic like that, too. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I like it. Um, I never believed in Santa, but Jews have the invisible dinner guest, Elijah. Oh, yes. At Passover. So. I like Elijah. I like opening the door for Elijah. <laughs> so I don't know if I ever... I mean, but he didn't like bring us anything. So, right. <laughs> so it was really hard to, you know, to disbelieve about it. How, uh, although, you know, it, it does get kind of, you think about how many houses he has to visit on Passover, <laughs> how much he has to eat and drink. So it does. So maybe he has bit. reindeer too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, we're going to get mail now. Oh, no. Metaphor. <laughs> Mixing stories. <laughs> So actually, speaking of, uh, my friend Sharon Zohar sent us a little story. She says, uh, I worked in an office where the very Christian person doing the area holiday decorations wanted to deck all of the cubicles in red and green, including mine. She was very displeased when I told her that it's against my religion to decorate my space with Christian decorations, and I'd be happy to come up with some blue and white Hanukkah decorations for mine. She pouted, but finally relented. My cubicle didn't match everyone else's, and I was just fine with that. She and I had a chilly relationship after that. Gee, oh, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Yes. The war on Christmas. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and this little anecdote is from Greg Schroeder. Uh, so it, it's, it's funny. Anyway, uh, I wasn't with my family for ce the celebration, but my mom's aunt would talk about her childhood on a Michigan farm at length. One Thanksgiving, she got to reminiscing about a horse on said farm. That horse was called, no joke, Dick. He also happened to be big and black. So my dad and brother lost their composure. My mom tried to tell them to shut up and gave up. She started laughing too. My aunt is very religious and didn't understand what was so funny. 
All the while, an 80-year-old woman is talking about how hard you could ride Big Black Dick and he never let you down and he was so, so strong. She loved him and how good he was to her. And on and on. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I believe that story. <laughs> no, I'm not sure I do either, but it's funny. It, it's pretty funny. It's, and it honestly, runs, and it's like a um, Cards honestly, Against Humanity story. <laughs> I guess so. Yes. And and I think Greg would also be one to tell that kind of story. But I kind of have a fondness for an 80 year old woman shocking the rest of her family, talking about her, her lover of color from from her youth. <laughs> oh, boy. I like, that, I like that vision, too. <laughs> that, that works. It's all good. I am not uh, going to stand on. <laughs> ceremony or political correctness or any of the above today. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So VJ says, uh, okay, one Christmas Eve, my mom and some of her friends had gone shopping, toys and stuff for their kids. And everyone came back to our house for a nibble and some libations. Well, they made a little party of it and were there for quite some time. Mom had put me to bed and I was trying to sleep, but their laughter kept me awake. When I finally did go to sleep, I was roused by my mom's voice. She was ticked off because she couldn't figure out how the batteries went into my baby alive doll. I got up <laughs> out of bed, went downstairs, went into the living room where everyone was, told mom to give me the doll. She did. I found the opening for the battery compartment, put them in, tested the doll out, stuck my finger in her mouth to get, her, get the chewing action, saw that it worked, turned the switch on the doll off, handed the doll back to mom, kissed her, and said goodnight to everyone and went back to bed. <laughs> so I just, I had to say, well, so what happened after that? And, and she wrote back and said, she dressed the doll up and sat her on two of the, um, uh, sorry, she dressed the doll up and sat her on top of two other wrapped boxes. It was all good. Still funny though. I was about six at the time, so I kind of knew Santa wasn't real, but I liked the whole thing anyway. <laughs> That's good. That's like the kid waking up and helping mom and dad put the bike together at three in the morning. <laughs> right. My dad probably could have used my help because he was like such a last minute person. That <laughs> my my mom told me later, like they he would be up all night doing stuff and get, being so late getting things together. Then I would wake up at like five in the morning and jump on them and say, wake up, wake up, it's Christmas. And uh, they were like so tired. <laughs> so... I, I remember one year when my kid was real little and my husband and I are putting the bicycle together and, and I had this moment, you know, cause I, I never thought I would end up being that person uh -huh. who's up in the middle of the night before a, a gift giving event, putting a complicated machine together for the child. <laughs> I just never thought that was going to be me. Um, but anyway, uh, Robin Kashar says, when I was about nine years old, we had a Christmas tree Hanukkah bush with real candles on it. I think we only lit the candles one night, which was probably a really good idea. I was going to say it. Maybe <laughs> not. That is supposedly the original, the origin. Like people would put actual candles on the trees, right? But, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they did, but they also had lots of fires. Too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it wouldn't be a, a smart thing in a house in you know 2020 necessarily but no uh, almost 2020 that's fun that would be, be pretty to try for a minute <laughs> without yeah. 
I, I, I don't know. I, I might even, I would prefer to do the, the Imbolc candle hat. <laughs> I think I would be less afraid of that. I don't know. Um, that sounds pretty. Yeah, definitely. You, um, got any, you have another one? I do not. I think this oh, no. is the end of my story. Okay. Well, I also, I was also directed to uh, Janet Coburn's blog. She is a writer. It's but I digress dot blog. Uh, so B U T I D I G R E S S dot B L O G, uh, for the great Thanksgiving ratatouille. And unfortunately it's a little too long for us to read here right now, but it's a good story and I recommend you go get there and read it. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Definitely. (laughs) So thanks everybody for sending your stories and, uh, we hope to do more of this. It would be fun to read some correspondence and uh, talk to people and get feedback on our shows. And I just always love, uh, love having people participate. Yeah. Uh, Happy winter holiday of your choice. Happy everything. (laughs) Happy Merry something as Devo says. (laughs) Merry something. So, it's not Winer's Day yet, but I'm going to complain <laughs> <laughs> that I, I saw, um, I guess it was like a shop, right, or something like that. And they had a lot of ornaments out, of course. It was probably not quite past Halloween yet. Um, and they had black Santas and white Santas. And I thought that was cool that they have, you know, different color Santas and everything. And then I saw Mrs. Santa and I made a point in my mind. I just said, oh, you know what? I should go back and it would be kind of cool. Both of my parents are are passed on now, you know, and I was thinking maybe it would be a cool thing to bring into my home. Like, so Santa and Mrs. Claus that kind of remind me of my, my folks, you know? So I went back and I was looking for them and I saw a white Santa Claus and I was looking for a black Mrs. Claus and there was no such thing. So I here's found a, it really annoying. A, here's a here's a uh, marketing opportunity for you Santa Claus people making Santas. More more racial categories. More diversity. More diversity and, yeah. and gender diversity of, of Santa. Yeah. yeah you we haven't a, seen any Asian Yeah, Santas. I was just about to say, have we ever seen an Asian Santa? Yeah, I no. don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of forcing Christianity on everybody, but, you know. Um, is well, Santa, well, actually, I don't okay. think it's that much of choice. Christianity, but. Is Santa, I guess, is Santa, this is, I guess, the question now. Is Santa Christian? Yeah, that's a question. <laughs> He's like Krampus, right? Or he's, he's a lot, Santa's a lot of things. Well, I mean, well, Santa, well, the, the Santa um, mythos started in, in Germany, perhaps. I don't even know. I'm not, I am not Christian and I never was. So I'm probably not the person to be discuss. you know, to be talking to Fanny about the origins of Santa. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I mean, you know, it's a complex holiday. It's got a lot in it it's got a lot of a lot of yule of course you know well yeah and and it's also celebrate. i also have heard that non-christian people in the united states like in the hindu community for example they celebrate christmas because it's sort of like an american it's like it's turning into halloween mm-hmm. which 
which is like, okay, we all have the day off. And I guess they like it's a national holiday. They've embraced the gift giving aspect (laughs) of Mm -hmm. the holiday, you know? Um, And I've seen people who celebrate Buddha's birthday on Christmas, even though I think (laughs) often Buddha's, I think it's April or something. I don't know. Not that we know for real, but um, not that we know that this is, you know, the Christmas is actually the birthday of Jesus either. So it's supposed it's not. According to anybody who, yeah, I know, and and I've also heard people say that Jesus was Buddha because he like went away and did some Buddha thing. I mean, I I don't know. Jesus was missing for a few years. (laughs) Yeah, he went away for a few years and like did some Buddha stuff, and and but I I'm not sure I subscribe to that either. So yeah, it's it's all it's all interesting, (laughs) and I don't actually care. (laughs) But you do want a black Mrs. Claus. Yeah, I did. I did. And it was sort of a weird thing where I felt like, okay, we've gotten to a place where black, well, obviously, we've got a lot of issues with how black men are treated in in our culture. (laughs) But but that was seen as a desirable image to have. Okay. But the black female image wasn't yet. Yeah. Yeah, as, I, as valuable, or at least, or at least say that not not enough people would buy that, according to mm, whoever made them. You know, yeah, well, Mrs. Mrs. Claus isn't doesn't have the same cachet that that Mr. Claus has. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Is that probably if you count up all the images, that there would be like ten percent would be Mrs. and the rest would be Mr. I think we should liberate the clauses in general and. <laughs> Whether or not they're, I don't know. <laughs> I could go off. <laughs> we should have a, a gender, uh, a non-binary clause. There should be. <laughs> and the, I felt like a legal non-binding clause. Now I know, I know. Clause. But but, but yeah. uh, now I've I have to go sign up, make an Etsy store that's just going to be the, the Mrs. Claus store, and all it's uh-huh. going to sell is. Is, is Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Santa Claus? All kinds all of different... Mrs. Claus, <laughs> and with their national costumes too. You can collect uh, them. Oh my god! All right, <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah, that would be cool. But it, you know, it's interesting, and it, it made me have a pet peeve. But also, I, I, I feel nostalgic in a way. I might want to, I don't know, bring more of my family history into my holiday somehow or something. So that's cool. And I do have little things that remind me of them, but I don't know. I don't have a lot. I'm not a person who has a lot of photos and things of people and not, I mean, I have them, but they're just not up, you know, so mm-hmm. maybe I'll. Well, you don't have a, a family shrine. Like yeah, I don't. People but, do. Yeah. Maybe I will make a little something like that. That was my whining. <laughs> and a good wine it was too. A good year. A fine wine. (laughs) Merry Christmas to everybody who celebrates it. Want to add some alternative holiday music to your playlist to help keep you in the Whamageddon game? I've got some. Hare Krishna Christmas is a holly jolly parody that celebrates the joy of blending holiday traditions and almost had a holiday is proof that just because your seasonal plans don't quite work out doesn't mean you can't get a happy little pop tune out of it. Go to robinrenee.com and click on music to download Hare Krishna Christmas and almost had a holiday. 
And if you'd like to give the gift of peace this season, my acoustic kirtan chant CD, This, plus a download code for my mantra pop album, Live Devotion, are available together for only $15. Go to robinrenee.com and click contact to put in your request. Many thanks for your support all year, and happy holidays, one and all. Wendy here to tell you about my coloring book special offer. You can purchase all three of my coloring books for just $35. That's 30% less than if you purchased each book separately. This deal includes The Wendala Coloring Book, Volumes 1 and 2, and Harlequin and Other Fantasies, Meditative Coloring for Grown-Ups. That's 50 individual pieces to color. Go to wendycards.etsy.com. That's Wendy Cards with a Z, where the shipping is always free. Hello. We at The Leftscape would like to thank everyone who has reached out with sympathy and support for Mary after the recent passing of her husband, Alan Seamock. Friends of Mary and Alan's began a GoFundMe page to help pay the enormous bills for Alan's hospital stay. That GoFundMe is still open for those who would like to help Mary with all the expenses associated with this very difficult time. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at bit.ly slash help Alan. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash help Alan. Thank you. So December is the month for, at least for me, and probably for many other solo business people when I do my planning and budgeting for the next year. And uh, I figured we could talk about some of our tips and tricks that help us with that planning exercise. So I could start. (laughs) Yes, you better start because I do no planning, so... (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm in such bad shape. Well, okay. So I have a I have a spreadsheet, and this may be Mary. Why you don't do this? Because you, I just heard you before we turned the recorder on, saying how much you hate Excel. Um, <laughs> so I do everything in a spreadsheet, and there may be better ways to do that. But I already had Excel, and and not spending more money on stuff is is important for my business. And I just want to jump in there and say, it's not so much that I hate Excel so much as I hate trying to read it on my laptop because the screen is so small and you got all these columns that you can't see unless you make it very, very small. Okay. Well, okay. okay. (laughs) And I've been using the same one, the same spreadsheet every year. I just sort of update the days so that it matches the calendar. And I, I list all of the expenses that the household has and oh my god you're so organized hey i need to do this it's it's listen i have been i it was either i've been working for myself or my my spouse has been working for himself and the planning became really really important i would say around 2007 2008 so i've been doing this a while because certain certain businesses and i actually think a lot of of home businesses 
or businesses you're running yourself or solo solo businesses, they have uh, periods of very busy, very large income, and then these income deserts. Uh, with my husband's business, it was uh, he was doing home theater installations. So there would be spikes in business around Christmas time and before football season or basketball season. And then in the summer, there would be very little income. And it took like two years to actually figure out that this is a, a predictable pattern. So that told me that during the feast times, I needed to put away a whole bunch of money to make it through the famine times. So, oh my God, you're so disciplined. Hey, it, I had was raising a kid. You need to, there needs to be monies to pay the bill, bills. So, you know, so that that's one thing, you know, if you have these records going back a couple of years, you can see if your business is cyclical like that and you, you can try to plan to have, you know, that you need X amount of X months of, of income of expenses in your bank before the, the, the desert comes, mm. you know, before the lean times are coming. And for us, that was like in the summer for my particular business, it's very haphazard and sporadic. And it's hard for me to plan that way. I always recommend for people who are who are thinking about starting businesses that they figure out what their expenses are and they put away six months of expenses in the bank before you quit your day job. That um, is a really good bit of advice. You know, I think that's a typical cushion that people well, the typical have cushion anyway. they say is three months. More, yeah, but that but, was that was in the past. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for working for yourself, I, I recommend six months of living expenses in the bank before you quit your day job. And the, the hard thing is once you've run through that, that savings account, it's really hard to build it back up because you've had the whatever the emergencies or, or the, the lean time or whatever. And it's then it's drained. And then and then it's it's I will say it's sometimes it's very hard to build that back up. But when I have less than three months expenses in the bank, I get very nervous. So yeah. I've been nervous for about a year and a half now. So <laughs> That's been a challenge for me. I think I tended to do basically okay, you know, freelancing and, and between SEO and music and writing and all the stuff that I do. But the downfall has been like the unexpected expenses yeah. and I think one of my um, one of my challenges is to think about coming up with a figure that I, I I want to make above what I think I need just to live and all that stuff to make sure that I can start to contribute to that sort of a thing so that yeah. I'm not always in a panic when something happens. You know that has been one of my challenges. So it's something that I I plan for and haven't been as good at that as I want to be at times, you know, so that's, that's a challenge for me, but it's good to hear you mention it so clearly, you know, and to hear how you work on that. Yeah. So, I, um, this is the time of year when you do that. Yeah. And, and I also want to point out that this is also how I figure out my minimum hourly rate. And that's mm -hmm. something, this is why I take the entire household in uh, expenses. I take all of any possible income streams, like, uh, you know, my husband has a, like a real, a, a, not a real job, God, uh, <laughs> has a job working for other people with a steady paycheck and benefits, which allows me to freelance and not worry about that shit. Like, I don't have to get on to the, the, um, the healthcare exchange, which it's too late now if you haven't done it yet. And I'm sorry to say that it's like, it's, it's over like a week ago 
the deadline was. Yeah, so. I thought about that when I was <laughs> signing up. That, oh, we should have reminded people. Yeah, I know. Well, it's too late now. Yeah. Um, but I don't have to worry about that right now because we have we have uh, insurance through my husband's employer. But um, and I also take his income into account and subtract that all from the total expenses and any other sources of income, like like royalties from publications or whatever. The non uh, what is I forget the term for this. Oh well. Anyway, um, what is it? Royalties or royal? It's it's uh, it's the income you get from it's from other income. It's not oh. earned. It, uh, it's, you're not earning it like from doing a, a work for somebody or yeah, it's, something it, like that. One of those words. <laughs> I forget. I forget yeah. what it's called, and it's something that every freelancer really wants to have this income stream that you don't have to put energy into. It's like, it's like a book. You write it once and then you keep getting money for it over time. Right, right. Yeah, but there's a specific term that's escaping me that I'll probably remember when we're done recording. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> that's how my brain is working these days. So I have this number that I need to- Passive income. Thank you. Yes, that's it. Passive <laughs> income. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, that word will come to me. Yeah, <laughs> it will eventually. Okay, yeah. Eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have the like the the uh income from other people in the household that we use for paying bills and passive any passive income that you may have from whatever source. And that's a number that you subtract from your total number of, of what your expenses are, and you're gonna see that number and kind of freak out because it's gonna be big because you're doing a year's worth of stuff, you know, like your rent or mortgage payment for the year, all of your car repairs, all that other shit. And then once you have the number that you need to be bringing in, so you're not running at a deficit. And I also want to point out that when you're doing your expenses, you should have savings as a line item in your expenses. So you can, you know, I, I for me, I have like a, a savings goal, which I never meet. And, and um, I also put in there like how much money we're going to spend on gifts for friends and kids and parents and, you know, whatever holiday stuff, all of that gets put in there. Um, so not just not just food and, and rent and all that. It's right. all There's a lot things. more that you spend that you don't think about if you. Yeah. Just yeah. Like never cat food and vet bills. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me ask you a question, though. You're saying in there, are you doing this all on an Excel sheet? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. And, I um, used to do something very similar to this. I used Quicken. Yeah. And I, it was so easy to create reports that uh, that would give me exactly that stuff. But you have to put everything in. Yeah. Well, you have to put everything in, in, in the Excel spreadsheet, too. But the difference between Excel and Quicken is... I have Excel and I don't have to buy it and yeah. Quicken you have to buy. So yeah, you're not which using now it. Quicken you don't even buy, you rent it. Well, that's even me. worse. Uh, yeah. I have, I used to use QuickBooks and I've always, it, I've always never, I have never been able to get it to integrate with my tax program properly. So it's like, ah, I don't even bother with that anymore. And it's also, I guess if my business was a little busier, I would be using it. If I, especially if you hire an accountant to take care of this stuff for you. And I'm assuming you're not. This is all doing it all yourself, which may or may not be the best uh, best thing to do. And this is kind of budgeting 101. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have a number that I need to earn that year. And I figure out how many hours of actual billable time I'm going to have. And the way you do that is you figure out, okay, I want to take, you know, five weeks of vacation next year. 
and this is when you're working for yourself, you can figure this out. And then, so that takes out, you know, 200 hours out of the year that you cannot, you won't be making money. And then you also have to budget into your hours, business development time. And I typically budget eight hours a week for that. And a lot of times that's too low. I spend more than one day a week trying to get new business. Okay. Explain that a little bit more. What do you mean by business development? You mean it's, like calling potential clients? All of it. Any, any activity that, um, that, is, that is not directly billable, billable to a client and that you're using to get more work. That's called, that's, I call that business development. And the work, you know, reaching out on social media, making yeah, phone calls, all emailing. Of it. Oh, marketing, you know, that's the marketing materials development and all that stuff. And it could be more than eight hours a week, you know, if you're doing your own brochures and all that other stuff. Or so ads. you're it's, not only figuring out the the amount of things, you're also figuring out your time. Yeah. Well, this is this is telling me, you know, if I'm going to take if I'm going to take five weeks off where I'm not getting paid and that's including being sick and traveling and whatever or vacation time and that I'm going to be spending also eight hours a week, minute, you know, on business development that I'm not, to, that's a day a week, I'm not getting paid. So then I have this number of hours in, in the, in the year that I can be actually making money. And you divide that into the number of, of uh, the number that, re that represents the amount of money that you need to make. And you came up with your minimum hourly rate and hopefully that is less than what you can get people to pay you, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. sometimes, you know, it comes out like if you if you're only let's say you come out with a minimum hourly rate of twenty dollars an hour and you can earn forty dollars an hour, then you're doing then then you can either, you know, just work all that time and make the 40 bucks an hour. And then you actually have all this money you can save or spend on other things or you don't have to work as many hours. Yeah, you can right. And that makes off. sense because, you know, it, freelancing, like sometimes you're going to have a ton of work and sometimes you're not. Yeah. And it, it varies a lot, you know, so. You yes. Can but having but knowing that. but knowing that and that also gives you more flexibility when um, negotiating prices for work, because if you normally would bill at forty dollars an hour and you know that you can you have that wiggle room that if you're making 20 bucks an hour, you're going to not starve to death. Right. That you could kind of negotiate, you can be flexible on your on your rates, mm -hmm. yeah. and it's good to know what the bottom line is where it's yes. it's not worth it anymore to do it. Exactly, yeah. that is, and that's that's the most important thing. You have that minimum hourly rate number. So if somebody comes up to you, you say, "Hey, can you do this for me?" and I can pay you, you know, twelve bucks an hour, and you go, "That's ah, sorry, no." It makes it easier to say no. Yeah, because you'll know you're losing eight dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. that, you, that you're going to have to make up somewhere else. I'm definitely going to have to do this 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 year. I had all when my husband was alive. I had always uh, tried to do something, but it was so hard to get him to to um, figure this out. I always wanted him to figure out how much he should be making an hour, like what he should be charging for the things that he made. And he always said, well, "I didn't want to do that." I can only just sell them uh, what the market can bear. Uh, he didn't want to know that he was losing money is what it boils down to, I think. Mm. So, well, that's sad. 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it, well, it, I guess it's also disheartening to know that. I mean, it's that's one of the reasons why, for example, I don't knit for for sale. Yeah, because well, like, too for example, time consuming. The shawl that I'm making now, I have probably a hundred hours in so far. Mm. So, who's going to pay me fifteen hundred dollars to make a shawl for them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, it's it's not going to happen. So I don't do it because it's not worth, you know, it's not worth doing. And it also it's I, I guess that that sometimes will make it. Make you figure out that, you know, it's not your business isn't really making any money. And and then you kind of have to look at that. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to are you going to raise your rates or are you going to try something else? The other thing I do on this spreadsheet is I have a page in the in the spreadsheet that's the entire year that's telling me you know once i have my hourly rate and all these other things i have a number that i need to earn every week and it lets me and i have a track i have it tracked so i know it you know how far ahead i am or how far behind i am in my annual income goals and i can look at that and check on it like anytime i want it's definitely an exercise you need to do every quarter so you can make adjustments. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you're behind, you need to raise your rates a little bit. And uh, if you're ahead, you can say, oh, well, I could take next week off. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. That's a really that's a really good way to look at it because I pay quarterly taxes now. And mm-hmm. that's something to, you know, to know, like, when tax time is coming up for me, like, when where am I in the year in terms of like what I'm working on and what my goals are, you know, that's a really, that's a good way of thinking about it and looking Mm -hmm. at it, I think. And for me right now, my planning has to do with looking at the year ahead and figuring out, well, there's a couple things. I, 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 part of my planning is about getting closer to my Ikigai this (laughs) year and making sure I'm carving out time to work on my other businesses like Menage Music in terms of publishing, for example. Mm. You know, I have a bunch of songs that um, some of which have been licensed to things or whatever over time, but I could be doing a lot more of that, you know, so carving out the time to work on my website to make sure that that is known to be available to connect with companies that are interested in composers or, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know. So that sort of budgeting of time is a really important thing that I'm thinking about. And also where I want to be in the year in terms of my music, especially and writing. Mm. I mean, I can look at, at, you know, other it could even be like things I want to publish, like who's publishing what at what time of year. And if I want to write this thing, it needs to be done by X, you know, but even more pertinent is like touring type stuff. Right. If I want to be in the Midwest in September. You know, I need to go and decide, okay, what 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 places am I going to uh, send information to? Who who do I who do I talk to about this gig or that, and plan that out because that's been something that I've done well at sometimes, and other times I I know I've missed a lot of opportunities because it's like, you know, I have holiday songs, and if I want a holiday song to be used in some media thing, that I need to be thinking about that in July. And I right. almost never do. And then all of a sudden it's October and I'm like, oh, shit. Put it on your that. calendar today, right now. Like, yes, exactly. Okay. So that's really, that's part of what 
little notice. My December, well, that's what yeah. those makers planners that I keep seeing ads for. Um, and I look through it and it, I don't do that stuff on paper anymore. So I wasn't going to get the book. Maker planner. Yeah. That's, it's a ad. It's an ad on Facebook. That's I'm see. Cause I'm a, you know, I'm on, they know I'm a, an independent business person. So I have an Etsy store, so I must be. And it's a, it's a calendar that I'm assuming, you know, it tells you, okay, it's June start Christmas planning, you know, that kind of thing. And those kinds of dates are usually available if you do a quick Google search, you can find that because that's the other the other planning is is not just the financial stuff, but it's also it's also the activities that you're doing at certain times of year. Like if you are job if your business is is associated with the retail industry in any way, <clears throat> you know, you have to you know that that June is kind of when we all start gearing up for Christmas things. And, and if you're in, in independent publishing, you might be aware that I believe it is October is the printer's busy month. So, cause that's when they're printing all of the stuff that gets sold for the holiday season Ooh. is in October. And if you have a short job that is important to you and you wanted it to be out in November or something like that, your printers, like the big book printers, for example, they're not going to be able to take care of your job in October. So like that's a lot. There's a lot of uh, time sensitive industry specific stuff that you need to be aware of if that's, you know, what your your business is dealing with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a lot more. Well, as much about finance as it is about mental well-being for me, too, because I don't like getting caught in that place of like oh my God, I didn't make enough money this month. I have to do X, Y, and Z. And what can I do? And <laughs> I should have done, I should have played this festival, but I didn't apply. I missed the application date. You know, like I've been yeah. through all that crap and that's not, Yeah, that's not, it's not healthy <laughs> for me. Yeah. yeah I, I, You're reminding were... <laughs> me of when, when I was running my nonprofit organization that, that I had grant proposals that were due on certain dates and I would miss the deadline or something, or I'd say, Oh my God, this is an annual thing and it comes every, every August 8th and I should start writing it in July or June and get it done. Uh, so I started all the dates that I missed. I started putting them in my regular calendar on my, my uh, computer and, and uh, I still get things pop up yearly saying st start the Axel Rod grant proposal. <laughs> Yeah. So, but yeah, but I think that's, um, that kind of stuff is helpful. I feel like I've done incrementally better at these things over the years and I want to make a bigger leap to be, have much more order mm -hmm. in what I'm doing. And I think that's a goal for this year. I really mm -hmm. like your, your very, very extensive spreadsheet, Wendy. And I wonder if you have like a template that's. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, without I... your info, it'll be. I could make thing. a I can make a blank one. There's weird <clears throat> there are very weird Yeah, that would be great. automated oh, things. There are weird automated things I put in there that will probably break. Oh. I, no, because there's like when I get my when I get my minimum hourly rate that feeds into a whole bunch of other things mm -hmm. elsewhere on my mm. spreadsheet. It's so, probably something that I, you know, I can create myself too, but it's Yeah, uh, but I can I can make a template. Available. That would be great because and we, I, we would save the time. 
<laughs> Starting from scratch. Yeah. And uh, I would also be very interested in any of the listeners who are independent business people there. Their planning consists of, you know, if there's other tips and tricks that you guys want to share with us. So yeah, I, I would love to look hear that forward too. to seeing that yeah. in like comments somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Onward to 2020. Yes. Here, onward, here. Onward. 